In this age of foodie culture, there's a host of cooks and bloggers who are making the rounds on social media, but only a few have the authority and the know-how to take it to the next level. Hi, I'm Adrienne Pascarelli, the retail reporter at AdAge, and welcome to another edition of the Marketer's Brief podcast, our weekly discussion about marketing news and trends that have the industry buzzing. Today, we'll be talking with Amanda Hesser, CEO of Food52. Formerly the food editor of the New York Times, Amanda co-founded Food52 in 2009 as a cooking site geared toward a food-obsessed community. The company has expanded into a kitchen destination that now includes an e-commerce store, new verticals into the home, and brand partnerships. Now, here's my conversation with Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So it's very timely for me personally that you're here because I was just watching the movie Julie and Julia, the Meryl Streep, Amy Adams film about about Julia Child. And I saw that you have a cameo in the (laughs) film. So that was pretty timely and quite funny. Yeah, I had to actually audition for that part. To play myself. To play yourself. Yeah. Uh-huh. I did, had to audition uh, with Nora Ephron. Did you meet Meryl Streep? I did too? not, but I spent, you know, a nice long day with Amy Adams, and that was great. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It's so funny. So that was about what, a decade ago, I think. Yeah. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you were with the New York Times. Uh, tell me about how you went from food editor there to starting Food 52 and what the mission was for the company back then. Well, I will give you an abridged version because, of course, it was uh, kind of a journey. But I was at the Times for 11 years. I decided that I had other things that I wanted to pursue. I had done a lot of really, um, you know, fun, cool things while I was there. You know, it was, a, it was I had a really plum job. Um, but I, you know, and I could have kind of stayed on and uh, just continued being a feature writer and an editor, as many people do. But I, I. I knew that there was something entrepreneurial in me, and I had to explore it. So I left the Times actually to start a different company. I pursued that for a year, and um, it did not um, <laughs> become a company, but I, I became immersed in the startup world and really fell in love with it. And at the same time, I had been working on a very big book project that uh, my co-founder, Meryl Stubbs, was helping me with, and I, um, you know we had this idea about and really it was an observation more than a you know distinct business idea but that you know food was not just becoming like a big you know sort of hot cultural topic but was really the changing the way people saw themselves and how and the decisions they were making around how they lived it was really becoming such a influential part of people's lifestyles and we felt like the not only was food media not really acknowledging and covering it comprehensively. But we just felt that as people who were really passionate about food in their lives, we didn't feel served by any one brand. And we wanted to really uh, explore creating a place you know, creating a real kind of hub for people who care about food and and that would cover all aspects of where food touches your life. So not just in the kitchen, but, um, you know, how you design your home and how you travel and, you know, how you shop and the decisions and the things that you want to know about um, the foods that you're eating. And um, we just felt like there was so much untapped um, and we felt like there was a really a great opportunity to create a new kind of uh, brand in the world. 
And it, it certainly evolved into a unique recipe, um, we'll say. <laughs> um, what are the, the various offerings of, of the company now? I know you have several different arms. Yeah. So we have, you know, we, we produce a lot of blog content, and that covers, you know, cooking and home and DIY and travel and wellness. And we... Um, you know, we have a shop that uh, launched in 2013, and that's actually the biggest um, revenue source for our business. And our our shop goods, you know, we started out with a lot of things in the kitchen, and we still it's still our biggest category. But we sell you know products across you know outdoors and uh, furnishings and things like you know pillows and candles and sort of, sort of smaller home goods, um, and you know bath and bedding and sort of everything across the home and. It was actually uh, we did some experimenting and selling in this category in the early days of the shop, and it just took off. And it was to us a signal that people really trusted us for more than just food. It was really a validation of our premise, which is that food, it, food, and your kitchen and your cooking isn't this separate part of your life. It's actually often really the hub of your home, and so touching on other parts of the home is just a, it's a natural connection and that those things really should live together under the umbrella of of you know one company that's you know providing you all the content and products for that and so we ended up actually using you know because our sales and um, our home goods were doing so well that's when we really started to produce more home content and actually just recently just this past week we launched our own uh, home 52 Instagram handle which we had been wanting to do for a really long time. We have a Food 52 Instagram handle has 2.6 million followers. And it's, you know, we did home content occasionally on it, but we felt like we had now had enough interest in home that we really wanted to break it out into its its own um, its its own channel. Now, taking a step back, you have your own product line too. Yes, the mm-hmm. 52 five line. Two. Five, five two. two. Yes. Mm-hmm. Will you have your own home line? Because five two is is purely uh, actually. It's, so we started and we started with some kitchen goods, but actually, um, we already have like laundry balls, which are these are dryer balls that you put into the dryer that they're they're um, they're wool and they help reduce static. They actually act as a um, um, like a dryer sheet, but that you can be there. They can be reused actually up to like more than a, a thousand times, and so there's a sustainability aspect to that, which is also really important with our audience. And so um, we have broken into uh, different areas of the home, and you'll see um, this year with the launches that we have that we're really expanding across the home with five two. But we did want to start in the kitchen. We actually started with a cutting board because we felt that um, a cutting board is really where. Uh, so many meals begin, right, we, with chopping an onion or um, cutting something. And so we, uh, that's, we, we felt like that was a symbolic place for us to start our own product line. And I just want to mention the way we do our product line, which and, and really the reason for us doing our own product line, which we had held off doing for a number of years, was because we felt like, you know, <laughs> anyone can produce products, but there are lots of products in the world. How could we um, produce products that really had something to say and that really were different from what was available in the world? And the way we did that was by drawing on our community. 
And that's very much um, at the heart of everything we do. We're a community-driven company. You know, 90-plus percent of our recipes come from our community. A lot of our contributors started out as community members. And so with our shop, that's something that we felt like we, there wasn't enough community interaction in our view uh, in the sort of early days of the shop. And, um, and some of that was just because we were trying to kind of get our sea legs in commerce. And once we did, we realized that there was this great opportunity to access our community who are true experts in their homes, right? I mean, everyone is. You know you know what you like. You know what works for you, what price points matter, what details you like or don't like. And But nobody ever really asks you, like, well, what do you want in a paper towel holder? Um, or what don't you like about the paper towel holders that are available to you? And if you do start asking people, you get amazing answers. And so that's really the the, the lifeblood of our product line is is involving our community from the ground up. So we, you know, when we're going to produce a new product, we go, we get, we we do this in lots of different ways. And sometimes it's in the survey and sometimes it's on Instagram and, um, or sometimes it's in in-person events. We, we get feedback from our community and that's how we start iterating on the product. And some, you know, we'll get prototypes and we'll share them with community members and get their feedback. And so they're really involved all, all, all along the way. And so we feel like this is a, this will also help us as we expand across um, into new categories. So for the instance, this year, we're going to do more laundry um, um, products because laundry is a really a fast-growing category for us, and bath, um, and also bedding. So by the end of this year, 5.2 really will be a, home, a, a comprehensive home brand. It will have the, the sort of fundamental elements of, of a comprehensive uh, home brand. And we're not going to be launching a million products. Uh, you know, the whole idea is for this to be um, a process along with our community, but also because we want to put a lot of thought and care into the products that come out. And um, and that that just takes time, and there's a, a lot of, and also we we like the storytelling around around the the pro, you know the process of making a product, and we feel like that's something that actually has been hugely lacking. Like no one knows how products in their home are made, or like why they're made in a particular way, and we just feel like this is such a um, you know uh, untapped terrain that we can really do a great job with. I think laundry balls is an interesting one. I mean, who would have thought that something that there can be a community around or that people actually have thoughts on, but they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> and I, I agree with you. I, I, we were surprised ourselves. You know, we we thought it was a cool product and it really fit into our sustainability efforts. And it was just, it's also just aesthetically, it's very pleasing compared to like a dryer sheet. Mm-hmm. Um but they work really well, and they were an instant hit. They always sell out. Well, how I, I understand that you don't want to have a million products. You don't want to have too many or saturate the, the market. How many products do you have right now, about how many SKUs roughly? And, and where do you see that going by the end of the year as you expand into home and, and more into the home areas? Yeah. So, well, in, with 5.2, we have about 12 to 15 products. And then they have various SKUs within them, right? You know, different colors or different sizes. And we'll probably launch, I would say, 10 to 12 products this year. And uh, they tend to be skewed sort of toward the second half of the year, which is a, you know, sort of a bigger shopping time because of the holidays. And, but, uh, you know, across Food 52's shop, we have lots, you know, we have hundreds of, of home products. 
Um, going back to community, we, we hear a lot about community being important to brands, especially when it comes to food and, and cooking. Um, people love to share recipes and adapt recipes of others and everything like that. Tell me more about how fan base, your fan base plays a role in, in what you guys are doing, not just from products, but in other areas, too. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, they, you know, we, we have these recipe contests, which we've had from the very beginning, and that's really what was the foundation of our content creation engine, was we did these recipes recipe contests that where we name a theme and people sent, post their recipes and then we do we test a certain number of them and um, and then there's a voting process and that's uh, really the way we built our our recipe um, database and uh, and through that we just saw the power of community because it's not just the people who are adding posting the recipes the creators if you want to call them um, it's actually there. There's then there's the another community of people who like to test, or the people who like to vote, or like to comment, and everyone's everyone's contributions are valuable. And so that's the way we think about kind of everything that we do. So when we went to launch our Instagram account, you know, we have a lot. We're really known for our photography that we do, and it's very beautiful. It's a very specific aesthetic, and we did that for a reason, which is that we wanted pe- we have a really strong brand identity, so that people, if they saw our photography anywhere they would know it's food 52 and have a sense of place but when when and so you know we could have just done our own photography for our Instagram account but we actually felt like it was what was really interesting about Instagram was how it was it was giving it was this platform for people who really had an interesting eye and it was a way of celebrating that and so we felt like it was a great opportunity for us to build a community there by celebrating other people's Photo, fo- food photos as opposed to just the ones that we take. And so if you look at our Instagram account, um, it's, you know, the vast majority of photos come from our Instagram community. And that's really how we grew our audience on Instagram. And so it's very much, um, you know, and we have, a, you know, a whole huge group of people there who are interact, we're interacting with every day. And we're also like we're using it as a place where we get feedback. Um, it's also a place that we do a lot of content experimentation because it's such a like kind of a fluid platform, and it allows us to get immediate feedback that we can't necessarily get on our site. So that's another another way we do it. Um, we have a section of our site called Hotline, and on Hotline you can ask any question; it's answered by the community, and the expertise is at a really high level. And um, that's been it's essentially a community-powered platform that's been a part of our site for many years. Is that line especially busy or that area especially busy on Thanksgiving? It you is. must have to overstaff. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And actually, that's the only week we, where we do staff it. Where And it's really fun. It's something we all volunteer. I, I um, Meryl and I always take a couple of shifts, and we take two-hour shifts basically the week of Thanksgiving. And just and the point of doing that is, A, it's fun for us, but it's to, just to make sure that every question gets answered um, in a rapid um, fashion, but also because over the years we've developed really quite a an incredible kind of archive of information around like you know how to thaw a turkey and like you know cooking temperatures and like what it, all the all the things that people have anxiety about um, around Thanksgiving. So we can really quickly get people the very best answers that we've seen over the years. Well, to build that voice, you have to really be honing your strategy on over the years and making sure that you're making the right decisions of of the brands and the people that you partner with, how do you go about choosing that to make sure that all of the the people and the brands that you work with will be helpful for the Food 52 persona brand? So, you know, I think it comes down to a pretty simple question, uh, like asking ourselves that, you know, does this, 
does this feel right for our brand? Would you know? Is this is this content that we're you know if we're working with another brand to produce a piece of content, like is this something that we feel like you know there's real value from? And I think if that answer is yeah, like it's it's a pretty simple question, and if you can answer it purely, you know that that sort of that, then then it passes the sniff test. Um, We've had to learn as we go, right? But I think it it often comes down to gut. And I think that that's the thing about building a brand is that there is so much that is kind of um, an innate sense that you have of um, what is right for this particular brand. And I think that comes down to like Meryl and me defining very clearly like what kind of place that we wanted um, to create, which was we wanted a place that was incredibly inclusive and welcoming that was community-driven, but that also had a high level of curation and authority. And I think that really was blending, like, our backgrounds in, in, um, you know, very good journalism and with what we were seeing happening out in the world, which is that there are all these people who really knew so much and had so much to share but just didn't really have a great place to do that and to connect. Yeah, I feel like you have to have so much trust when it comes to the kitchen um, with who who you're working with and what recipes you're using. Uh, so that's obviously very important. Yeah. And but to that point, I think one thing that we were trying to counter was this traditional sense that had been, you know, has been around for a really long time of, you know, the media companies are the authorities and and or the cookbook authors, and they're sort of telling you the way things should be done properly. And I think a lot of this has been sort of broken down over recent years. But we, we felt like we didn't want it to just be broadcasting as the authorities, we wanted to be um, guiding the conversation, curating the conversation, but really welcoming others into the conversation. Because, you know, frankly, you know, yes, we, I would say, you know, Meryl and I are trained cooks. And just to take us as an example, like we're trained cooks, we've worked in restaurants, we, you know, we're, we're very experienced. But, you know, we live in New York City. There are lots of people who know way more about grilling or like home bread baking or cheese. You know, there's, there's a lot of, um, Sort of, um, sort of niche expertise within food that um, – or even a, just a particular cuisine, you know. There's just – there's so much to learn from other people and we wanted um, to, n- to have a place that wasn't limited by the sort of scope of its editorial team. You know, we wanted to have the sort of editorial authority and trustworthiness layered in with um, all the people out in the world who have really tons of knowledge to share. So last fall, the Chernin Group acquired a major stake in in Food 52. Have there been any changes under the new ownership? There really haven't other than us, you know, really expanding our ambitions, which is exciting and fun. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I think when you're creating a company and you have a company that is a a creative entity like ours, there's just always way more great ideas than uh, to pursue than you actually have the bandwidth or resources to do. And, I think that we have, after being at this for 10 years, we know that you you don't want to be taking on everything all at once anyhow. But there are, there are things like for, you know, for instance, we do want to um, have an offline, you know, physical location to really be able to connect with people in person. And that's something that's been a long time dream of ours. And that's something that we can pursue now. You know, we are able to now go deeper into some topics that we haven't been able to before. And so, What's changed is it's really kind of, I I think it has supercharged our metabolism and we're really, like everyone's very energized about what's, what we, what we can um, do next. Because I think when you work with a lot of creative people, that's what they, you know, they want to be able to kind of pursue these ideas. And so it's really exciting to be in a moment where we can actually tackle some of these things. 
tell me about this brick and mortar uh, store um, that you have that you have planned and in, in your aspirations there. I know you had a pop up over the holidays. What did you learn there, and what's ahead? Yeah, well, we've done a bunch of pop ups over the over the years, and what we've learned from them is that people really do want to connect in person, and food is inherently social, so it is something that people naturally gather around, um, and that's a huge opportunity for us. I think that what we've also learned is that actually we don't want it to be just a store. We have sort of bigger ambitions for it as a, you know, a place that really is a place that people want to come to to connect um, and to discover and uh, to participate. And we have a lot of really exciting ideas around that. And so, you know, we're really looking forward to um, creating something that's very different um, and very new. And yes, you will be able to buy things, but that's not necessarily the primary um, goal kind of plays into that community mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Instagram, um, and obviously the community is helping to build the brand organically. Uh, what more traditional marketing do you guys do? Where are you spending your advertising dollars to get the brand out? So, you know, we do some some Google AdWords, and we also do um, social, but we actually do very little uh, paid marketing overall, especially for a company of our size. And I think that actually that was something that really appealed to the turn-in group, um, because a company like ours, tradi- you know, if you compare us to others in our um, sort of competitive set or in other sort of lifestyle D2C brands, um, the paid marketing is a very big um, part of how they reach new new customers. And um, we have traditionally really focused on building audi- audience and community organically. And then that's how really how we, we, you know, we get them to engage not only in our content, but to shop with us as well. What about print magazines or anything like that? Do you have any goals there? Yes, um, but in a, a kind of different way, not in a way that um, not in a traditional kind of like monthly magazine. What we've done, we've done one so far, and we're actually in the process of um, finishing up a second. What we call a, a magalog, meaning it's a ma- <coughs> excuse me, a magazine catalog, and. When we do these, we have uh, one brand partner who we work with to sponsor um, this, and this is part of like a larger campaign we're doing with um, with um, a brand, and it will be um, a mix of content and products all around a theme. <clears throat> so, you know, one of the things that we did um, a. a Tent pole content that we did in the beginning of this year was um, small change, big impact, and like you know that that the and so the content you know really spanned like things you can do in your kitchen that will like you know have a you know small small little changes that will have a big impact or you know just in the in your in your daily life or in your you know across your home, and it performed extremely well and it's something that we feel like we have a particular kind of point of view and expertise on that um, is valuable and so actually that's really the that's the theme driving this magalog so we're going to do thematic magalogs as we can Uh, this one is going to be perfect bound so it will be like a real magazine and it'll be essentially the trim size of a magazine that you would get on a newsstand and um, but it will be largely content with one advertising sponsor when can we expect that? That will be in, uh, in I would say, the next uh, six to eight weeks, Q2. 
Can you tell us the name of the advertiser, or is that under wraps? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. I can tell you now, and then when I go back to the office, um, they're going to tell me whether or not that's okay, and then you can edit it out if if so. <laughs> sure. So it's Bear Paints. Oh, cool. So it's a paint company, which I think is actually really interesting, right? We love paint, first of all, but I think this kind of gets into gets to our earlier the earlier part of our discussion, which is that we're a company that's really about like how you live with food at the center of this well-lived life. And so to us, it's really natural that we'd be working with a paint company because, of course, like paint is is a really powerful medium in your kitchen, but it also is in your bathroom and every part of your house. And so it's something where we feel like we have something to say. And last question, because we're out of time. Uh, what food trend are you most excited about right now? What is the new kale of 2020? Because it was cauliflower for a while, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad we went moved past that. Um, I like yeah. cauliflower. I just don't want to eat it all the time. I've uh, never been a fan. I'll do anything else. <laughs> just cauliflower is not on my plate. Um, well, the, I, this is not a, a new trend, but one that I think is really great and I think is going to kind of like last and probably evolve over time, but just is the reducing waste in your kitchen. And that can take... That, that can take on many meetings. It's not just like the food. It's just like how you run your kitchen in general. And I don't think that's going away. And um, it's definitely something that we are leaning into. Great. Well, we are out of time. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. That was Amanda Hesser, CEO of Food52, and I'm Adrian Pascarelli, the retail reporter at AdAge. I want to thank our producer, Max Sternlich, and invite you to subscribe to the Marketer's Brief podcast on your favorite player. We promise to keep it brief or at least short enough for your morning commute. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>